Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. What a privilege it is to be able to lead you in worship right to the throne of God. The same God that says, I also want you to be my ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And that, uh, to me, is probably one of the greatest honors each one of us can have in this world, is to, to realize that the creator of the universe has appointed us to be his representatives. I don't know about you, but there were many years when, yes, I had asked Jesus to be my Savior, but I was not a very good ambassador. I was not a very good ambassador at all. And, and on Sunday I was, oh yeah, on Sunday I was brought up to play that game as good as you can. You know, I mean, I knew how to sit there and look at the pastor and nod. You know, yeah, I'm interested. And Monday, it was like it went in one ear and out the other. I am so glad that we have a God of grace. A God of grace who heard me when I said, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You see, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wish I could tell you today that, uh, yep, I, I'm perfect. I just do everything right now. You know what? That's not the truth. I am a sinner saved by the grace of God who comes before the throne of God every day and says, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And God is so faithful. He's a God of grace, and he continues to work in my life and take me along each step of the way like a loving parent. This is the same God you've come here this morning to worship. And the only reason I confess that I played that game because I don't think I'm the only one to ever try to pull that off. And I think there's some of us right now that are saying, yep, yep, that's me. This morning would be a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful time for you to make things right and say, God, I just heard what he said, and you said it through him to me. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then I also said, Lord, if you can use me, because, you know, I thought maybe I had gone beyond the point of being usable by God. I said, Lord, if you can still use me, show me where. Kind of a silly prayer because he just said in his word, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here I am saying, Lord, if you can. He's God. He said he would. And guess what he did? Show me where, I said. I had no idea. It's now 35 countries I've had the privilege of being able to minister in. And as I've traveled, I've seen needs. And, and, and so in some of those countries, we've kind of settled in and, uh, and helping widows and orphans. And you're, you're somewhat familiar with some of that through, through Haiti. You'll be hearing a little bit more about that later. But uh, there, are, there are so many times I go somewhere thinking it's for one thing and God, God uses me in that area, but then he, he shows that there are other needs as well. And, uh, and there's just a couple little guys that I'd like you to meet. This little guy in Haiti, that's Laza. Uh, Laza was on the streets in Haiti. We had already established our orphanage after the earthquake. Laza's uh, dad died. His mom remarried, and she was pregnant at the time. And the, the stepfather said, I'll marry you, but I don't want that kid that's in you. And this little boy was thrown out of that house as an infant and was living in the streets when we found him. 
uh, one of the missionaries that lived there said, Dan, we've been trying to help this guy. We give him clothes, but the other kids on the street beat him up and steal his clothes when it, the, the day we give them to him. And so we don't even like to give him clothes because of the beating he's going to take for it. And so this little guy was dirty, and, uh, and we didn't really have room for him in our orphanage, but uh, I, I went down to see him, and I, I could not believe what I was seeing as we couldn't just take him. It would be kidnapping. Uh, and, and so we had to find the mother. And the mother saying, yeah, take him. I don't want him. Here, do you have some for me to sign? You know, how could a mother do that? You know, and, and, and she's just, yeah, get, take him, take him. And I, here's this little boy listening to his mother. And he's just kind of looking at her like this. And then he looked up at me and went, <laughs> he's now in our orphanage. All right. <laughs> That's all it took. Uh, one of the problems that I have is I'm a grandpa. Uh, Kathy's here with me today, and uh, we have 12 grandchildren, and uh, I have a real soft heart when it comes to kids, uh, and what's neat is all these kids call me Papa, which means Grandpa, and all our kids in India, uh, they call me Tataya, which means Grandfather, and so, uh, yeah, Christmas time comes, and uh, we have a lot of grandchildren to care for, but uh, this is Laza. He's now in our orphanage. Uh, he, he's a rascal. Uh, those of you that have been there, you know he's a handful. Uh, but he's in a place where he's loved. And uh, it's neat to see him trying to worship with the other kids and so forth. He has some mental challenges. Uh, we don't know what, what God has planned for him, but we know God sent him to us. If you pray for the, his handlers, uh, pray for him as he matures, that God would, uh, would just reach into that tiny little body. And uh, we would love to see some healing you know, so that he can be, uh, be one used for Christ in, in Haiti in the future. Here's another little guy in Ghana, Africa. I was asked to go and to, uh, to minister in Ghana at a church in Accra, and they, they have a fast as a church every year for 40 days. Can you imagine a whole church committing to a fast for 40 days? Their, their commitment is that they don't eat until 6 o'clock at night, and then at 7 o'clock is when services start five nights a week. So it's a quick supper, and then they come together and they worship the Lord sometimes two to three hours. And, um, and have teaching and grow in the Lord. Um, the pastor of that church asked if, if uh, I would help them in reaching out to some of the very remote parts of Ghana. He said, way up in the sub-Sahara, there, uh, there are regions where Christians just haven't gone. The Muslims have gone. There's voodoo uh, villages, but there's very, very few Christians that have gone up there with any kind of outreach. And we would like to establish churches up there. We have seminary graduates that want to be missionaries to their own people. And as we establish churches, we want to leave them a pastor to, to disciple them. And I thought, well, this sounds like a good plan. And I said, well, great. And, and he said, yeah, we would like you to go. And I said, well, why don't you just go? And he said, well, they'll kill us if we go. You know, like, there's something wrong with this picture <laughs> somewhere. And, and I, that's what I said. I said, why would you send me then? He said, no. He said, you don't understand. In our culture, these people dream about the day an American will come and visit their village. And uh, he said, if we bring you there, we will become their friends. And they will listen to anything you have to say. And you know what? The guy was right. The next year, I went with my trumpet. Uh, we went into these villages uh, way up on the border of northern Ghana. And uh, we would meet with the chief, many of them Muslim, and uh, I would tell the chief, yeah, yeah, I'm from America, I'm visiting, uh, you have a nice village here, and, and I'd play trumpet, 
<laughs> they don't, they've never heard a trumpet before. Uh, you know what's interesting is they say I'm the best trumpet player they've ever heard. But uh, <laughs> hey, they could have said I'm the worst, all right? But, uh, but anyway, I, they would say, well, do a concert for our village. You know, there's no TV, no radio. Some of the villages, no electricity. Some of them, no water. And uh, so I'd get my trumpet out, play. People would come, the only show in town, and uh, they would hear the gospel. And we established now 14 churches in the northern regions of Ghana. Uh, praise God. Praise God. We have uh, we've left pastors in all of those villages, and uh, it's been exciting to see the churches uh, come together and grow. We've gone back and we've built 14 churches in, in these different villages with teams. Uh, basically what we do is we just put up a tin roof, and then we leave them enough money to, to make their own blocks, and they make their own walls. Uh, but it's, it's been pretty exciting to see them uh, maturing as churches. There was one village where the pastor, uh, or not the pastor, but the, the Muslim chief, uh, when he saw we were building a church, he called me in and he said, listen, we don't need a church. We already have a mosque. He said, I thought you came here to help us. He said, we need water. We don't have any wells in our village. We're getting water from a swamp and it's dirty and my whole village is sick from that water. Uh, can you give us water? And I said, no, I don't do water. I do churches, you know. And, and, uh, but then here's where the Holy Spirit took over. And I just said, but I know who makes the water. Uh, I believe in God above. I believe in his holy word. And uh, in his word, he says, we can ask him anything. Would you like me to talk to him for you? And, you know, what's the guy going to say? Yeah, okay. And so I said, listen, out of reverence and respect for who he is, I'd like you to bow your heads, and I'll talk to him right now. Keep in mind, they're all Muslim. They bowed their heads, and I talked to the Lord. I asked the Lord for water. And in the end of the prayer, I said, Lord, when that water comes, I pray that you remind this chief that it's the God who sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins and sending that water. And it's in his name I come before you. Amen. Well, they opened their eyes, looked for the water. It didn't appear like that. What happened, though, I got home from that trip. The first church that I, I visited, uh, and this has never happened before, never happened since, the pastor came up and he said, Don, you seem to be pretty well plugged into missions. Uh, we have an excess in our missions budget, budget of about $4,000. Do you have any ideas where that could get plugged in? I told him about, about the well. He says, we'll take care of that. Matter of fact, word got out, enough money came in. We put in three wells in three different villages that needed water where we had established churches. And we put the wells right outside the doors of the church. So the whole village has to come to church in order to get their water. <laughs> well, you know, what was, what was the Holy Spirit kept reminding me of the ending of that prayer, uh, of, of reminding that chief. And I went back in February and went to his village and, uh, and reminded him where that water came from. He did not accept Christ, but he heard the gospel, plain and clear. And I believe I'm just a stepping stone along the way. Uh, God will continue to reach out to that, to that chief. Well, in that same village was this little boy here. And uh, he, his mother abandoned him at, at the age of two and left him with his grandfather, who was mentally challenged. And... Uh, when he came, became around three years old, the grandfather couldn't stand having a toddler around and just threw him out, threw him out the front door in the, in the village there. And uh, no one wanted this little guy. He was just a, a, a problem. No one really wanted to take care of him. And so he went to live with his friends, the dogs, at the garbage dump. He dug himself a hole. And here's the catch here, or the, or the, the main thing, is he was nine years old when we found him been living at the garbage dump all those years in that hole, eating. I saw him chewing on bones, trying to get the marrow out, just like the dogs do. 
And uh, he, he, I don't think he'd be alive had God sent us there to help this little guy. He would crawl in our van at night and uh, just cling to the seats, screaming as we would peel him off the seats and, and literally have to push him out the door and close the door real fast. Uh, he was bound and determined he was going to get out of there. And we couldn't, uh, because of the laws, we couldn't just take him. But uh, the pastor that was with us from Ghana that wanted to establish all these churches took pity on this little boy and went to the chief and asked if we could take him with us, which we did. There's a, there's a family here in the States that sponsors him. He's in a group home. I never saw this little guy smile until February when I went to visit him at his home to see how he was doing. And he ran across the parking lot, threw his arms around me, and gave me a big bear hug. And I said, do you remember me? He goes, yeah! You know, and hugged me again. And, and uh, you know what was really special was to see him leading the other residents there in worship to the Lord. As, uh, the, as the leadership there are Christians and they're teaching them how to worship and how to love God. Uh, here's another guy. He's mentally, he's, he was malnourished for so long and uh, I don't know what his future holds, but I know God sent us there to rescue him. He's in a place where he's loved. And, uh, well, just remember that face and just, just pray for him once in a while. You know, when we go, we, uh, we go into these villages. Uh, here's the village of Congo. Uh, this is in February. Uh, it's one of the churches where we had established, or one of the villages where we had established a church. And uh, the pastor asked if we would have evangelistic meetings. So I got the trumpet out right in the market square. And uh, keep in mind, again, this is a Muslim village, all right, with a small church in it, a small Christian church. And I got the trumpet out, and people just flocked. A couple hundred people just flocked around us. We had the Jesus film in their language. We showed it, and then we shared the gospel. And, uh, and there were about 100 more people that, that joined the church. They, they gave their lives to Christ on that evening. And so I want to share these things for one main reason, is that I can't go unless I'm sent you are one of our supporting churches, one of our main supporting churches. And uh, when I show these things, I hope that you're taking ownership because, uh, because you have a big part in our ministry. I, I am so thankful for Jim and Freddie Harmon who invited me to have lunch with Pastor Dave and uh, Carlos was there as well. And to uh, just talk about the possibilities of us serving together and, and uh, joining, joining a, a team to go and reach into Haiti has turned into much more than that. And uh, I just thank you so much for, for the, the big role that you take in, in our ministry. And this is, this is a part of it. You know, I, I did tell the Lord I would go anywhere. When I rededicated my life, I said, I'll go anywhere. Jesus, you would walk all day to talk to one woman at a well. If it's good enough for you, I will do the same. Just show me where you want me. And uh, I said, Lord, I'll go for whatever they give me. We call it a love offering. You know what I found out in the last 20 years? Sometimes they love you, sometimes they don't. And yet, God has been faithful. Uh, we have not paid any bills late. As a matter of fact, we're at a point now where we're over $20,000 a month that we send out to support orphans and widows around the world before we pay our own bills. And God continues to provide. God continues to provide. I, I was in a situation last year where... where uh, I needed $10,000 to send all of our kids in India to school. And I, I didn't know where it was going to come from. I put out a plea on my, I have a ministry, Don Shire Ministries Facebook page. I put out a plea there and we got about $1,000 in, but I needed 10. And uh, I had a concert that weekend and I thought, well, Lord, maybe you'll provide there. I pulled up to the church, one of the smallest churches I've ever been to. 
25, 30 people there. And uh, I said, well, Lord, I said I'd go anywhere. I went in. Uh, four people came to know Christ that morning. Was it worth going? Absolutely it was worth going. The pastor was so excited, he got up afterwards. He says, we're not even going to take an offering this morning. I don't want to spoil the mood. And I thought, you just spoiled mine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, uh, and so he said, listen, you want to give Don something? Just hand it to him. And, you know, a couple people came up, gave me $5 or so, and, and uh, went out the door. And I was starting to pack up, and this, this guy came in, and he, he sat next to me, and he slid something underneath my leg. He, says, he said, you know, I've had this for a while. I've been wondering where to use it. Uh, just use it in your ministry wherever it's needed the most. Hadn't even talked about the need that morning because the church was so small. I just figured let's not burden them with, with a big need like that. I put the envelope in my pocket. Later on, I was on my way out to the RV. I handed it to Kathy and said, here, some guy gave you this this morning. We got in the RV. She opened it up, and she said, Don, these are $100 bills. Don, there's $10,000 in here. It's the same guy that you came here to worship today. And so that's what we see. And I, boy, I get going. And remember Harb Russell? You get him going, you wouldn't stop. He had so many stories of God's blessing, miracle on Manhattan and so forth. That's how I feel today. I, if I were to get going, we'd miss the barbecue uh, later on today. But, uh, but anyway, that's the kind of things that we're seeing. And it is so awesome to see God be God. And, uh, you know, I said I'd go anywhere for whatever they give you. Here was my love offering in Ghana. One of the pastors gave me two guinea hens alive with their feet tied together. He stuck them in the window and said, here, thank you for coming. I want to I give you a gift. And I'm thinking, what in the world do I do with two live guinea hens in a foreign country? We found a guy with a barbecue pit. He cooked them up for us. A couple hours later, we picked them up. They are delicious. If you've never eaten a guinea, try one sometime. Uh, they, they are very good. And it's a good thing we like them because we got nine guineas throughout the week uh, from pastors. But uh, this is a, the chief I told you about earlier, the, the village of Kulungugu. Uh, just pray for this chief. As, as he's in a strategic area. I believe he could have a great influence for Christ if he were to turn his life over uh, to the Lord. And I believe God sent me there for a reason, to, again, to, to remind him how much God loves him. So anyway, that's, that's the kind of things we're doing around the world. We also take our orphans and widows. But our primary purpose is to share Christ. Uh, I believe Jesus is coming soon. And when he comes, he's going to be announced by his favorite instrument. That's right, a trumpet. All right. Now, okay, I've been reminded many times uh, that it's probably not his favorite instrument, but it is his loudest instrument. And those of you sitting in the front, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's a loud instrument. Uh, I don't think it'll sound like my silver trumpet here. I think it'll sound like, I mean, why would an angel play a man-made trumpet when there's God-made trumpets? And I brought one of those with me. That's a God-made trumpet, and uh, he grows them on an animal called a kudu. And, uh, well, what I like about this thing is just a smelly old kudu horn. It smells like it came off an old dead kudu. Only <laughs> plays about three notes, and yet God uses it all over the world to draw people together to worship him. It's called a shofar, when it's called a musical instrument. I think maybe if it's going to be a trumpet, uh, this might be more of the sound that we should be looking for. I believe he's coming soon. I hope you're ready. Be two kinds of people. You know, what if it were this morning? Be two kinds of people sitting here. There'd be some of you saying, yes, yes. I've been waiting for this sound. Next thing we know, we'll be meeting him in the air. And there'll be others here this morning that'll be saying, 
If you're one of those, you can take care of that right now by saying, God, I believe I'm a sinner and I do not deserve heaven. It's only by your grace and your provision for me through Jesus Christ dying on a cross for my sins. I'm putting all my trust in him. If you were to say a prayer like that, it changes your eternity. You say, that's too easy. Yeah, that's the way God made it. If God said do 100 push-ups, you'd be down doing push-ups. God says, just believe that I love you. Believe that I've made a provision for you. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It changes your life. It changes your eternity. What if it were this morning? I used to think maybe I could be the trumpet player. And then I was told, no, Don, it's going to be an angel. And we know you. So it won't be me. All right? But what if I could be the warm-up band? All right? What if I could be playing this thing? Even this morning, what if I could be playing this shofar and all of a sudden you hear that sound? Would you be ready? Think about that as I play. So I like to share the gospel. It would be a waste of time to come and just talk about what's happening around the world without presenting it this morning. And so I hope you're ready for that trumpet sound. You've heard a lot about Haiti through the years. Uh, why do we do things like this? Well, the Bible says we should. We're supposed to take care of the needs of orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, just for one second, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, we think of things like porn and stuff like that. You know we're not supposed to be doing that kind of stuff. But how often do we get distracted by the things of the world? For instance, how many of us get up and say, Good morning, America. Turn the TV on before we say, Good morning, Lord. Why not get in the habit of waking up, talking to the Lord, spending time with Him, and then see what's happening in the world? Then you really know you need to pray. All right. And then, uh, you know, Kathy is with me this morning. She, she has a couple of great rules that... Uh, that uh, she is a good example. God gave me a good one. Uh, I'm so grateful for the Christian Youth Center and uh, in, in introducing Kathy and I uh, many, many years ago. But she has a rule that her feet cannot hit the floor without saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And her other rule is no Bible, no breakfast. <laughs> Memorize those. Live by those and it, it'll change your day, change your life. 
Okay, so we see verses like this. We're supposed to take care of orphans and widows in their distress. You know, it's one thing to hear these verses. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to God's word and so deceive yourselves. Read it with me. Do what it says. It's when I started doing what God says in his word that I got to see God be God. To see the impossible happen. To see, to see people's lives change. To see people healed. To, to see God provide in miraculous ways. And I'm not a prosperity theology type of guy, but I've seen God take care of these children in such miraculous ways that I do believe that God honors it when we do what he says. I hope this morning is a, an encouragement for you to do what he says. Maybe God is telling you, telling you this morning, you're supposed to be going to Haiti. Then do what he says. Maybe God is saying, go serve with Don in India. Do what he says. Maybe God is saying, go with Don on a cruise. And you're saying, yes! Every January, we take a mission cruise. I take about 40 to 50 people. It's a regular cruise, except at the ports, we go do ministry. There's a brochure for it on, on, the, uh, on the table back there. Maybe you'd like to come along with that. You know, I'd love to be able to uh, take you all to Haiti, and I know you can't all go. Some of you are going to be senders. Some of you will pray for the team while, with, while they're there. But there is one way that you can get to know these kids, and, what, and I'm going to bring them to you this morning. When I was there earlier this year, I found out they had been practicing one of the songs on one of my CDs. They speak Creole, but they learned it in English. And uh, we made a little video out of it. And so me and the children from Haiti are going to do a duet right now. And uh, the words will come up. I hope that you'll worship the Lord with them. And you're about to fall in love with some of the cutest kids you'll ever want to meet.
prayer list. Got a call from Pastor Seenor about two months ago now, and he said, Don, the gangs are targeting orphanages. They know that there's foreign money sponsoring them, and they're crawling over the walls at night. They're raping our girls. They're beating up the orphanage directors, and they're taking everything, all the clothes, everything that they can carry out. He said, so far, God has protected us. Would you ask people to pray for us, to protect us? Would you pray for them, that God will continue to watch over them, protect them? Pray as we, we work towards getting a, getting a safer a property in a better neighborhood. Uh, hopefully that will happen as God provides. I'm going to take you on one last trip now to India. Uh, the, word, the pictures will speak for themselves. You know, widows in India are shunned. If your husband dies, it's considered the widow's fault. She even thinks it's her fault because of karma, because of their Hindu religion. They're put out on the street. It's estimated there's 20 million women on the streets of India. They used to be matriarchs of their family, and now they're destined to beg for the next meal. Children that live on the streets are called untouchables. Well, we've been reaching out. We've been bringing those children into our orphanages. And it's so much fun to go there and to hear them worshiping the Lord. We don't give them CDs, or, or not CDs, but uh, video games and things like that, or TVs. So you know what they do at night? They worship. They listen to Christian music, and they, they do choreography to it. They love to worship the Lord. Again, you're a part of this. And I, again, I want to say thank you. It's amazing, amazing grace that God would send us all the way to India to help these dear, wonderful people.
It's so much fun to see God at work. There's still more. In the back, you'll see a, a rack of scarves. These widows make those scarves. They send them to us. 100% goes back to help the widows. Every scarf I sell can feed a widow for 20 days. Uh, yes, they're $20 more than Walmart. But Walmart doesn't send it all back to India to take care of widows. And so uh, let's take a look at the scarves. The children, they have worship every night as well, and they like to use musical instruments. They said, Papa Don, or Tataya, Don, will you please buy us keyboards and, and tambourines so we can, we can learn to play and, and worship? And I said, listen, my name's Grandpa, not Santa Claus. And so if you, wanna, if you want that kind of stuff, you have to work for it. And so they make headbands, and those are on the table back there too. They make headbands and send them to me. And uh, as we sell the headbands, that money goes back to buy musical instruments for the kids. So many ways to be able to participate. I thank you so much for being a part of our ministry. And, and now you're going to, uh, you're in for a special treat. You're, uh, your pastor's one talented guy. Did you know that? Yeah. Well, he, uh, he put together a video on Haiti, kind of helping you understand your church's involvement in, in, in Haiti. And so I'd like to, to transition now into that video so you can see what we're doing there. God bless.